Rate cuts, rate cuts, and rate cuts. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Layer. I'm Nick Batia. Today, I have an important wrap of yesterday's FOMC meeting. We're going to start with some education on treasury supply, net versus gross, what all that means. We're going to get into the Fed, what the FOMC did and said yesterday, talk about the market reaction, what's going on in the broader economy, and finally, stay to the end, we're going to discuss the ruling from the accounting board yesterday. FASB declared something very, very important, potentially the most important ruling in Bitcoin's history from a corporate accounting perspective. All right, guys, let's start with a little bit of trade school on treasury supply. Now, I put this chart out on X this week. It compares the gross and net issuance for the treasury over time. So what we have here is in orange, you have the gross issuance of treasuries on a monthly basis. And in purple, you have the net issuance. Now, what is gross issuance and what is net issuance? Well, the treasury is always issuing new debt, but it's also always paying back debt that it issued. So think about a one-month bill that it issued one month ago. The Treasury has to pay that money back. What about the 10-year note that it borrowed money 10 years ago for? It has to pay that note back. And so at all times, the Treasury has money coming in and going out. Now, when it go, the money goes out, that money is going to, of course, maturing Treasuries, but also to pay bills right? The treasury spends money and the issuance on the growth side is there to fund all of that. So when the purple number here is above zero, it means that the debt is rising. The national debt is rising. That means that the number of treasury securities being issued is outstripping the number of treasuries that are being paid off. And in that way, the net number of treasury issuance is positive. So the orange line, the gross number, is a nice way to see the trend of how many treasuries the department is issuing every month. But the purple number is the number that actually matters for the increase in the total debt of uh, the treasury department. Now, on this next slide... I'm going to show you that total. So this is the number that you see quote in the news, 33 trillion, about to hit 34 trillion any moment and rising quickly to 40 trillion over the next few years. Now, as the net number on the previous graph, as that net number remains above zero, this number, the total treasury supply, the total treasury debt continues to increase. So that's just a little bit of a recap for what's going on. Why did this come up? Because this week is one of the largest gross treasury issuance months of all time, but it's also going to be one of the largest net issuance months of all time. And we will continue to see that going into 2024 with very large deficits and 
high interest payments relative to the past. The Treasury will have to issue a lot of securities to pay for all of that, not to mention quantitative tightening, which takes a marginal buyer away from treasuries as the Fed is no longer replenishing treasuries that mature from its balance sheet. Today's episode is sponsored by River. River is a Bitcoin only exchange and what we believe to be the best in the business. River does not use a third party custodian. And this is key for you guys to understand. When you buy Bitcoin through River's platform, You are not sending the Bitcoin out to another company. River keeps that Bitcoin in a multi-signature cold storage solution. And not only that, they encourage you to get your coins off of River's exchange as soon as possible. So advocating for self-custody. We love that. Go check them out today. River.com slash TBL for a special offer. Okay, now back to yesterday's events and the FOMC It was an enormous meeting, a big deal, a huge market reaction. So let's get into all of it. Now, the last couple Fed meetings, we have to admit, have been very boring. As we knew that July was the last hike, we started to see that more and more the Fed was focusing on extending its pause rather than trying to get in another hike. That ended up being true. And all of a sudden... In the last couple weeks, the market pressured the Fed to get now onto the rate cut train going into 2024, and almost every single market participant, including us, we believed Powell and company would come out and try to walk back some of these cut expectations being priced into the market and remind people that cuts are not on the table Rather, hikes are on the table, and the Fed is going to try to keep rates as restrictive as they can for as long as they can. It didn't happen. It didn't play out that way. And we had a mention of rate cuts at several points in the press conference. All of those times which rate cuts were mentioned, Powell did absolutely nothing to tell us that rate cuts were not on the table. So let's take a look at this quote. December 1st, Jerome Powell said it would be premature to speculate on when policy might ease. And yesterday, December 13th, he said rate cuts are something that begins to come into view and clearly is a topic of discussion. Now, indeed, what a change two weeks can make. We were quite surprised that the Fed was so willing to bring rate cuts fully into the picture and bring them forward actually materially because just a couple weeks ago we were starting to think rate cuts by June. Now we have rate cuts priced in by March and the Fed did nothing to stop that. Now we will probably see over the next few days Fed speakers trying to walk back some of Powell's comments or try to put hikes back on the table But the market has spoken. We will get into the market reaction shortly here. Now, let's take a look at the Fed's summary of economic projections. So this is the SEP that you hear about. When the Fed releases its forecasts, what it's doing is it's releasing this dot plot. Each one of these dots represents one voting member. And the position on this dot plot is where that member 
believes the policy rate should be. So we have one dot per year per voting member. And I don't want you to focus on 2025 or 2026 dots. Honestly, those are not relevant. The Fed has no idea what's going to happen more than 12 months from now. It doesn't know what it is going to do, doesn't know what the economy is going to do. The Fed talked about this yesterday. Jerome Powell said, we know that we're not in a recession now, but we know that a recession can happen at any point in the next 12 months at any time. And so longer term dots are quite irrelevant. What's not irrelevant? The dots for next year, because next year is next month now. So where are the dots? Now I've circled all but two of the dots for next year are below the current policy rate. You'll notice that there are two dots right above this red oval here. Those two dots are two members that are saying no change for the policy rate, meaning we are going to keep them on hold. Every other Fed member has a dot below the current line. And many of those members have dots that are 1% below today's rate. So a full cutting cycle, not just some cuts from some members, many cuts from almost all members. <clears throat> now look closely at the graph. How many dots do you see above current uh, policy rate? A big fat zero. That's right. No members are now on the hiking side. And we think it's important to remind you guys because in Powell's press conference, he's still talking about potential rate hikes if we get re-accelerating inflation. He has to say that, to be honest. He has to say that hikes are still on the table so the market doesn't fully capitulate. But in reality, he did say enough for the market to start pricing aggressive, aggressive cuts into the market for next year. Now, let's take a look at the market reaction, both in treasury yields and in the money market curve. All right, first two-year yields. Look at the move lower, and we are even lower this morning, below 440 into the 430s. Two-year yields have utterly collapsed over the last couple weeks, and yesterday they saw an over 30 basis point move lower. These are historic moves. They only happen when cycles shift, and it is very important for us to point out really how dramatic yesterday's move was. It was the official pivot of the Fed. We've been talking about a Fed pause and a Fed pivot for over a year at the Bitcoin layer. You're probably even tired of it, and you probably started to think that we didn't know what we were talking about because of how early we were to the pause and pivot calls. However, the pause was in July and the pivot was now in December. They are here. They are in the rear view mirror. That means right here with us today in the room are rate cuts. And that's what the two-year yield is showing. Now, I do have the SVB slash Credit Suisse drop in yields on the screen for comparison because so many are still Stuck in this idea that money market curves can be very wrong, just look at what happened in March after the regional banking crisis. However, that move happened in about three or four days when the yields came down about 100 basis points. The current 100 basis point move in two-year yields that we're working on is occurring over the course of two months. 
not three days, and therefore much more sustainable and much more widely participated. How many market participants can capitulate in three days? Only a fraction of the market. But how many can capitulate over two months? Many. And that is what we're seeing now. Capitulation as in no more hikes, cuts are coming, and we need to lock in this higher yield because it won't be available for long. So look at the current move lower. It is a growth scare. It is a growth scare in the face of slowing inflation, disinflation, the expectation of rate cuts all around the world, a European recession, negative growth in pockets of Asia. We see negative growth in Japan, negative growth in New Zealand. It is a global recession. It is just happening over a much longer time horizon than we anticipated. It really does take time for these restrictive rates to filter down to restrict consumption. And remember this, businesses are the ones affected first by higher rates because their borrowing costs impact their plans. Their plans impact the hiring rate. The hiring rate will then affect consumer spending. That transmission mechanism from slowing hiring to slowing consumption, we are in the beginning to early stages of that phase and therefore still positive GDP, which we will show you here in a couple minutes. Now, let's take a look at what the money market curves priced in yesterday. Very, very dramatic moves. Now, we've shown you this graph. I've cleaned it up a little bit to try to just make it a little bit easier to understand. On the left is the expected policy rate, and that will be this gray line. On the right, the number of cuts corresponding with that policy rate decline, and the orange bars here Look to the right to see how many cuts are being priced in along the future of the curve, right? This this x-axis that you have here, it is time looking forward. It's not a time series looking back. So what do we see? At least half a percent of cuts by May, 1% of cuts by fall. No hikes. Remember this bar a graph is completely below zero, meaning only cuts are being priced into the market. And yes, we are starting to see that bar drop below minus one as soon as March, April. And it really is fascinating to see how quickly cuts have been pulled forward, meaning to to a three to six month time horizon, as opposed to nine to 12 months out. Cuts are here, guys. It's This is actually no longer a projection. Last week, we predicted that cuts by June. Now, it's really not a prediction anymore. It's the money markets are locking in a cutting cycle by at least May. That's what we're going to go with for now. It is a real possibility that cuts are here by March here in the Fed, but let's not go all the way there. Instead, let's lock in cuts by in the first half of the year instead of predict them. We can lock them in. It's just a matter of timing now, and we'll see how the Fed decides to dance around its language. We know they love their propaganda. Why Why rate cuts? Why, why are we seeing rate cuts at this point? GDP is positive. The stock market is basically at an all-time high across the Dow Jones. S&P 500 is about to challenge its all-time high and has done so in the last couple days. 
so why are we talking about rate cuts if there's no recession and no stock market crash? One of the things we said is that you wouldn't see rate cuts until you see a stock market crash. So why are we seeing this strong conviction in money markets that rate cuts are here? Well, it comes really it really comes down to this idea of the Fed fine-tuning policy and having a 2% inflation target. The 2% inflation target is something that is so impossible to achieve that it's always going to take some tweaking. While inflation is 3 to 4% today, what will it be in 3 to 6 months? Potentially quite lower and potentially lower than 2%, which means the Fed has gone too far. It's trying to target 2%, not 1%, not 0%. So in an effort to fine-tune policy, or what they might call maintenance or normalization, they are going to cut rates. Now, we believe that the rate cuts are the beginning of a much longer rate-cutting cycle going into a recession. But the Fed isn't thinking about that right now. All it's thinking about is inflation. So I want to show you two graphs of inflation. Instead of showing you the rate of inflation, I'm going to simply show you consumer price index, non-seasonally adjusted, just the raw data. What you see from the early 90s to today, over the last 20, 30 years, you see this march up from 150 to over 300 in the CPI. It's It's a doubling of prices in 30 years across the board, and Zooming out, it's really hard to see how inflation does anything but go up. And we feel that in our pockets. It's a very real situation for Americans. Prices go up all the time, and wages are not coming, you know, wages are not keeping pace with that, making real wages decline and something that is affecting Americans with every passing year. But now let's take a look at the same data, but zoomed in to the last couple years. And what do you see? This index is rolling over. It is declining at the margin. And so this is not some 2% decline in annual inflation. It's not even a 1% decline in monthly inflation. What it is, however, is a decline in the consumer price index. And if this trend continues... The Fed has gone too far. Instead of reaching 2% annualized inflation, it's going to undershoot that, and we will see 0-1% annualized inflation, potentially even annualized deflation. That is very, very dangerous for the Fed. That is not what the Fed wants to see. Therefore, the idea of normalization or maintenance cuts The Fed will continue to speak about this over the next three to six months. Why are you cutting rates? They will say we are cutting rates to make sure that rates are at a more normal level that allows us to reach 2% because right now it looks like we will trend below 2% inflation. So it is semantics. It might even be extremely annoying to you to hear the Fed nitpick all these little metrics and what they're doing but we're just here to interpret what's going on to interpret fed speak for you guys it's something that i've lived on the desk and what we are seeing here the fed is preparing the market for a cutting cycle here in 2024 potentially up to one percent of cuts it's way too early to forecast anything of that sort what we can forecast for you though is the next move 
GDP over 1%, that is down from 5% last quarter. This is another thing that has the Fed watching. We we saw in their statement, they changed their statement, their opening sentence from the economy is growing to the economy has slowed from last quarter. And so the economy definitely has slowed. We'll see if the economy is able to hang on above 1% growth. Again, with predicting a recession, that is a much more difficult thing to, to do than looking at the money market curves and interpreting what the Fed is going to do in March. So we'll continue to watch all of these metrics. I have a couple final economic metrics to give you some orientation, to give you some context as to where we are. I want to pick only the highest signal things because we get economic data every single day. It can be very noisy. So let's zoom out. Let's look at a few things that might just orient us. Here I've overlaid world trade. This is a data data point that comes out of the Netherlands, as well as industrial production here in dark green. This is U.S. industrial production. Both are negative uh, territory year over year. When does that happen? It happens in global recessions. So look back at the pandemic at 2009 and in 2001. Industrial production and world trade were both negative during were all negative during all three of those recessions. They are both negative right now. And we believe that this is a high signal data point here that can suggest to us that things are not great around the world. We are in the middle of a global recession. The U.S. has not contracted yet on GDP, which is actually keeping the world afloat. Uh, but we'll see how long we can hang on there. And another thing, remember that housing is 25% of the U.S. economy. Housing prices are stabilizing, falling in some cities, and home sales are dropping rapidly. That will filter back into the economy as a quarter of the U.S. economy is housing-based. Now, I promised you we would finish with Bitcoin. Yesterday, we had an enormous ruling from FASB. FASB is a global accounting board that sets the rules for what corporations can do from an accounting perspective. Now, up until yesterday, Bitcoin was classified in this bucket that made it essentially useless for corporations to hold. There was no way that corporations could hold Bitcoin and actually utilize its value as money to mark to market the underlying price of Bitcoin. There was no way to do any of this. Now we have a new fair value designation for Bitcoin. I strongly, strongly suggest viewers go check out our recent episode with Michael Saylor, a corporate finance revolution that is unlocked by this new FASB rule in which Bitcoin can be marked as a fair value asset. It is an enormous game changer. It does put corporations in the position to put Bitcoin on their balance sheets without punishment, without undue accounting burdens. This is massive for Bitcoin. This is one of Michael Saylor's three prerequisites to a multi-million dollar Bitcoin price, one of them being Bitcoin ETFs and another this FASB rule. 
Guess what? They're both happening right now. And the last one, which is Bitcoin and banking deposits being basically on par, it looks like we are trending in that direction as well over the next year or two. Big, big news for Bitcoin. We are the Bitcoin layer. We are focused on Bitcoin at the center of the monetary system looking forward over the next decade. And that's what we are here to cover. Bitcoin is taking enormous institutional leaps as we turn the corner into 2024. We're very excited to see what comes out of this Bitcoin bull market adoption cycle and institutionalization. Thanks for sticking with us today at the Bitcoin layer. Definitely go check out our research publication, thebitcoinlayer.com slash subscribe, where we get into even more markets, research, and analysis. Subscribe to our channel here at YouTube, and make sure to like this video. We'll catch you next time. Today's episode has been sponsored by River. River is a Bitcoin-only exchange with Lightning Network capability. Go check them out today at river.com slash TBL for a special offer. And one new feature that River has added, which we think is really cool, recurring purchases on the hour. So you can set a small amount to be purchased every single hour so that you are truly averaging your cost over a long time horizon. Make sure you check them out today, river.com slash TBL.